Greetings, everybody. The Christian Marauder here. Have you ever felt like the devil has noticed your wanted poster in hell and said, I know where you are, and then all hell is unleashed in your life? Well, stay tuned as we explore the subject of spiritual warfare so you know how to fight back, so you can stand against all the devil's posse out to get you. While folks are joining in, let me take time to ask all of you who are listening on YouTube to consider joining the Daily Renegade and help Josh Peck build up an alternative media platform. You guessed it, before social media like YouTube pulls the plug. So you can still enjoy all these great shows here and read all sorts of great articles, not anywhere else. You'll see great shows like the Peck Report from Apollo nearing with Seth McVeigh. Uh, how about Get Real with Cody Peck? We hear, um, you know, this show, for example, we talk about those things. You know, you even have Gary Wayne, the author of the Genesis 6 conspiracy here, called The Christian Contrarian, doing his show. You have Ryan Peterson, who wrote about the Nephilim, and he talks of Bible prophecy in the show Beginning and the End. You have The Radical Christian, which I like, with Drew Graffa. And you have Beauty in the Bible and Moms and Miracles. You have Through the Black Uncensored and so much more on The Daily Renegade. I tell you, you have a lot of stuff. You have articles. You have things to plug in. So please don't forget that you can become part of something new and help build up The Daily Renegade and help Josh Peck set up a Christian platform in case, and you heard the routine, social media pulls the plug again. But social media can pull the plug anytime. In order to not to do that, we got to have a Christian platform. So you can help build a Christian platform by becoming a member of the Daily Renegade for $10 a month or $100 a year. And you will hear all the uninterrupted shows on the Daily Renegade website on the topics that interest you. How do I do that? Well, just click on the link below. Well, as you're watching this, you'll see the link below and click on it and become a member today so with that let's jump right in today's show so let me ask do you feel tired do you feel like giving up do you feel alone amidst the world of fellow christians who are content to remain the same old same old and never satisfied you see the world you see the world where hell is being unleashed maybe unleashed in your life and you don't know what to do things just don't make sense and you see very few people standing against the dark tide that you see approaching. So with that, turn to Genesis chapter 4 verse 26. And we'll camp out in this verse for a bit as it deals with these issues and more in a very unique way through the meaning of the names and through the meaning of numbers, how it relates to spiritual warfare. Because it is the first verse in the Bible on spiritual warfare. I bet you didn't know that. Because after all, Revival is spiritual warfare. So let's read. Genesis chapter 4 verse 26 out of the New King James reads, As for Seth, to him also a son was born, and he named him Enosh. And then men began to call on the name of the Lord. This is a very powerful verse because it is the earliest mention of people coming back to the Lord that is found in the Bible. How many of you would like to see people in your communities and in your towns, maybe even in, in your own family, call on the name of the Lord and see the dark tide pressing against you push back for a change instead of it pushing against you into a corner? 
Just, just think of what change would come when people call upon the name of the Lord. Maybe we could keep our doors unlocked at night. There'll be no more abuse. Maybe the hackers wouldn't be always trying to come in. And maybe uh, social media wouldn't be pulling the plug so much. If people would just pray a little bit here. Well, folks, the late Chuck Missler taught that folks need to pay attention to the meaning of names and key words and even numbers in the Bible to uncover hidden truths that are found within Bible text. And this is what we are going to do as we study spiritual warfares. First mention in Genesis chapter 4 verse 26. Let me read this again. And as for Seth, to him a son was born, and he named him Enosh. And then men begin to call on the name of the Lord. Let's look at the meaning of the names Seth and Enosh, and then jump right into the message today. The etymology, the origin of the name Seth, actually the history of the name Seth means this, one who fixes and sets in order foundations of compensation and recompense. That's an interesting name, isn't it, to name your kid Seth? One who fixes and sets things in order and foundations of compensation and recompense. And he had a son named Enosh which means frail, weakness, sickness, a mortal man. That is really a strange name to name your kid. Enosh, meaning this kid's going to be frail, weak, sickness, a mortal man's represented by this name. Wow. Then we read the last sentence in the text. And then the men began to call on the name of the Lord. People began to call on the name. And the, and the key word here is call and began. But we're going to look at the word call for a minute because the word call means to invoke or summon or invite something or to call to someone's aid, okay? And it's interesting in the book of John how the Holy Spirit is called, called the paraclete, the one who comes alongside of. I just thought that was interesting. But then people called, invoked, and summoned and invited the name of the Lord. So, be, so what does that mean? The word name means one's character. So people began to call, summon, invoke the character of the Lord God. They were calling upon the Lord is merciful. He's good. He's holy. He's righteous. He's perfect in all his ways. He's full of grace and truth. He's a God of justice and, and he holds the guilty to account. Get the picture here. This is early Genesis. There are not a whole lot of people in there, but enough people in the world out of in the world right now to make cities, okay, smaller cities compared to what we have today. You've you got to understand, the memory of the Garden of Eden was still fresh in people's mind. And I can imagine they felt the full force of being banished away from God's presence that was in the Garden of Eden, which for them was just a recent memory. And, and what happens, folks, when the presence of God leaves, it leaves a vacuum, and the devil loves to fill the vacuum with chaos. And then people began to call on the name of the Lord. Why? Why did they begin to invoke and call upon the, invoke the Lord's character of being mercy and of merciful and just and full of grace? Why? Because they sickened of the chaos that the vacuum of not having God in their life caused. And the people began to call upon the name of the Lord. Let's look at the word began. The Hebrew word translated in our English as began is an interesting word. It is pronounced Hela. It sounds like an old 1950s song to me, you know, Hela, 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 the devil's back and you're going to be in trouble. Well, my singing career is over right now. Hallelujah. <laughs> I play the guitar, but, and I do sing, but you know, I, I have to give earplugs out to the concerts I give. Anyway, Hela 
which is translated begin is a verb it has three three distinct uh three whoops three distinct meanings there the first meaning means to slowly pierce wound to physical death or cause terrible despair misery and the life inside of you dies the second meaning refers to beginning to play musical instruments and pipes and worship and ceremonies are playing the the first sounding of a call of a trumpet to gather people together that's where they they call that's why they get the word began there okay the third meaning means to profane defile things with a primary emphasis involving defiling ceremony objects of worship and worship refers to one's service and duty the primary emphasis is defiling one's sense and purpose of duty what they were called to do what they're called to be it's an interesting word well look at genesis chapter 4:26, and men began hala to call on the name of the lord and i always ask why in the world was hala the word translated began used in this verse People began to call on the name of the Lord. Does it mean that people began to pierce, wound, defile, profane, bring misery to the Lord's character? Or does it imply that the people were calling out to God for forgiveness, mercy, because they pierced, wounded, defiled, and profane, and brought misery to the Lord's character? Thus began the world's first revival or does it mean they were profaning defiling the character of god and his ways instead what does it mean here this is an interesting verse because actually it can swing back and forth and back in fact both meanings apply here both meanings apply here because hala began can be used to imply either meanings Let's insert the meaning of Seth and Enosh into the text and see what it's actually saying, because that's really the only way to decipher the text. As for Seth's helping, fixing, and setting the foundation of compensation, he had a, for a son, Enosh, weakness and sickness of man. Then people began to call on the name of the Lord. From Genesis chapter 3, it is evident that these people fell away from the Lord due to the fall. And people began to profane and defile the things of God. Cain slew Abel, and he ran away. Romans chapter 5 says sin, sin entered the world through Adam. So it stands to reason they fell into despair and hopelessness. And in their distress of all the chaos they were living in, because they were living in a vacuum that the devil was filling with chaos, they began to call upon the name of the Lord because of Seth, whose name means what? helping, fixing, setting the foundation of compensation recompense for the weakness and sickness of mortal men. Thus the world's first revival began like the sound of a trumpet or pipes calling people together back to the Lord for help for, to find salvation from sin that brought them to their knees. In other words, they sickened of their lost condition because of what Seth was doing. And it stopped they're profaning defiling god's character by how they were living their life that's one of the prime meanings of this verse that bible commentaries point out like uh utley and guzik and the cambridge and many many other bible commentaries and theologians point that out so let's listen to the verse again because revival is spiritual warfare so seth fixed and set forth a foundation of compensation for the frail weakness of mortal men, so people would call upon the name of the Lord. In other words, they were brought low to feel despair. They were humbled because their foundation was affixed tight to darkness, folks. 
and that darkness was exposed. They had their own, what you could rightly say, they had their own type of come to Jesus wake up call. That the life they were living was heading off of a cliff. Do you feel like that sometimes, folks? And these people returned to the Lord because Seth fixed a foundation, a compensation for the frail mortal weakness and sickness of man. Okay, do you get it? So Seth must have been teaching something here. We, we are going to look at that a little bit deeper later on. Now, the second meaning for began, Hala, can also apply here because revivals are spiritual war. Just keep following with me. We're going to go deep, hard, and heavy real quick. And the second thing that happens is the enemy counterattacks. And that's what the verse is also expressing. It's expressing people coming to their knees before the Lord because they're tired of the darkness they live in. And it also expresses there's a counterattack that's going to come at the same time. So that's the second thing that happens, is the enemy counterattacks. This, is, this fulfills the second meaning of Genesis 4.26 out of the New King James with the word meanings added into it. As for Seth, the one who fixes and sets a foundation of compensation to him, also a son was born, and he named him Enosh, frail, weakness, sickness of mortal men, and be, people began to call and invoke terrible despair and misery that pierces wombs and mocks, profanes, defiles, the character of the Lord. In other words, they reject him. Why? Because, like I said, the enemy counterattacks. After all, folks, revivals are spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare, how? Why? Because revivals divide out those who will return to God and sets apart those who will reject the Lord will be made very evident. Because a revival is spiritual warfare. It will reveal darkness and expose it. This causes... You'll, you'll see when you start proclaiming Jesus, this causes folks to defile, begin mocking and destroying any and all devotion to God in a crazy, insane way. For example, are we seeing it today? Any evidence of it today? Yes. How many of you know that there's a Moloch statue in the Roman Colosseum that was erected, so everybody has to enter, has to pass through it? At the Vatican, people were bowing down to an Amazonian pagan goddess as part of the coexistent church movement sanctioned by the Pope. You have Lutheran and Presbyterian pastors, mothers and fathers, bringing in transgender people to teach Bible stories to kids dressed up as prostitutes, as disgusting things I saw, pictures I saw of this, and are openly glorifying one of their sons as being glorified for getting hormone sex change. And people go, yay, they applaud and they cheer. And that's pretty strange in churches. Sorry if that shocks you, folks. This is spiritual war. We battle not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of darkness that controls people to war against the Lord because the people don't even know what they are doing. Do you understand that? Revivals released, they proclaim the word of God. They proclaim Jesus into an area, and the word of God divides. That's what it says in um, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. The, spirit, uh, the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides asunder the thoughts and tents of the heart. Think about it. When you proclaim Jesus the word, something is going to happen. In fact, Jesus talked about this happening too, when he mentioned that he came to bring division. There will be those who return to him and those who refuse and rebel are going to be brought out because revival is spiritual warfare because you're battling dark forces who want to keep people bound. And when they want to keep people bound, people are going to go nuts. 
one group gets saved and heaven bound the other group goes nuts against you and they're headed straight to hell they are on crazy train do you know that man i tell you you'll see people acting crazy against god anything good anything noble and pure they will attack it so folks this has happened during every revival i studied and all through church history you will find how some folks reject the evidence of despair and sin they feel and they continue to justify seeking solace and worship and serving what profanes and defiles the name of the Lord. Anything but Jesus. You know, I tell you, that's what they think. The Word of God comes and begins to untie and loose and expose. And they fight hard to bind themselves to darkness, just as John 3.19, that says it best. People love darkness more than light, and they end up they bind themselves so hard and hard and hard to it they don't want to let it go and they defend it and they and look at what they want to defend let's take for a moment and they want to defend it to the death an insane rage irrational rage happens they want to defend murder of the unborn as a right dressed up as a right they want to defend abuse they want to defend lawlessness they want to defend depravity they don't care how much addictions or sexual dysphoria makes a person mentally sick they want to give them needles and let them live in the streets of, of the west coast or any big city for free and i tell you come on they don't care about the cost in the hospitals they don't care about the crying kids that are sexually assaulted by perverts who smear feces and urine on them and frighten the heck out of the little tykes and then prance around grooming the world's parents dressed as trans come on folks and they groom you to accept them in their homes and to your homes to cheer them on they want your kids they don't care about the abuse. They don't care about nothing. They go nuts against law and order. That they do anything. And anything that has to do with common sense and goodness is labeled and mocked as the greatest evil. And their evil is called forth the greatest good in civil rights. Folks, you have to pray corporately to break this nuttiness in your area. And I'll teach you on that more on this later. But right now, we're going to look at Genesis 4.26 again from the other meaning. Seth, who fixes and sets a foundation of compensation and recompense, had a son Enosh, the frail weakness, sickness of men that begins to defile, mock, and profane the character of the Lord. This expresses a principle that's found in the Bible. All throughout the Bible, all throughout church history, all throughout, this is human nature. This expresses a principle. A principle is a biblical truth, objective biblical truth. That's found in the Bible. And what's that principle? Well, God's people began real good serving the Lord, and they returned to Him, and then a generation or two later, they fall away from the Lord. This happened in the book of Judges over and over again. So let's look at the evidence of this in the Bible. In Genesis chapter 5, verse 9 and 11, again, we're going to look at name, and we're also going to do something quite different. We're going to look at the meaning of numbers here. And I just might go over your head here, but keep on tracking with me anyway. Enosh lived 90 years and begat Cain and begot Cain. So why in the world are numbers important? I'll, I'll tell you that in a minute. Nothing in the Bible is by accident. God is highly intelligent and there I'll, I'll show you in a minute. So Enosh lived 90 years and begat Canaan. 
I want to tell you, we are going to dig deep by exploring names. We're going to explore key word meanings as well as the meaning of biblical numbers. And just hold on to your horses, folks. Bible numbers have actual meanings that are that are used in the Bible that are based upon the Hebrew letters. They're pictograph letters that are used in their numbering system. Okay, like. Uh, Two is the pictograph of a house, okay? Sixty is a picture of a staff, stuff like that. Thirty is a shepherd's staff, referring to the good shepherd. And so if you know what you're doing, uh, you could you know the pictograph, you'll get the root meaning, and then there's the established meaning, which is based upon Bible-based themes, how the word is, how the numbers are used in a consistent theme throughout the Bible. It's not rocket scientists. It's very few websites even come close to this and i don't advise people to go number happy on this either just listen to me this is not a chaldean or occultic number meanings that stuff is occult this is not that and, and folks the bible numbers have meanings and that's why people say things like the number five means grace and so forth etc and seven means perfection and stuff like that some of you some of you have heard that okay this is all based upon the context that they're found in, based upon the themes that the, the number has been used on a consistent basis throughout the scriptures, as well as some established ways to translate numbers that are based upon Hebrew grammar and tenses and structure too, because this is Hebrew you're reading in the Old Testament. So when the, the, the numbers are primarily based out of the Hebrew system, so it's Hebrew grammar that you're looking at. I suggest if you don't know Hebrew grammar, just take a basic course in it. Just something simple. At least have a have a third grade understanding of it. You'll do you'll do fine. The etymology of the name Canaan means to weave in a dynamic and intricate network together in order to possess something or attain things. This expresses that one is a real manipulator. He knows how to network and, and connect. A scrounger type of person. So let's put the name meaning together with Enosh. The frail weakness and sickness of mortal man begot those who weave dynamic, intricate networks together in order to attain things to get whatever they want. So let's keep tracking here. Just keep tracking with me. The Hebrew number 90 has a meaning as well. Its pictograph looks like a fish hook or as a man lying on his side. The original root meaning means man lying on his side. But it looks like a fish hook. That's a pictograph. Its root meaning, like I said, is man on his side. And it refers to humility. And the figurative meaning of 90, 90 means to hunt, to chase, to ambush, to waylay, make somebody low, to bring them low, to humble by going through being hunted down and hurt, okay? With this, let's look at Genesis chapter 5, verse 9 again. Enosh, the frail weakness, sickness of mortal man, lived 90 years and begot those who weave intricate networks together in order to possess and attain things. Let's put the root meaning of 90 in there in a way that you can understand it. Enosh, the frail weakness, sickness of mortal man, was brought low during life's journey to begot those who weave intricate networks together in order to possess and attain things. Keep tracking with me. Look at Genesis 5.10. The New King James says, And after he begat Canaan, Enosh lived 815 years and had sons and daughters. Remember, you know, people return to the Lord, and then a few generations they fall away. Just remember that principle, and then God comes back and 
That's the principle of revival because the revival is spiritual warfare against darkness. And 815 has a biblically based number meaning too that adds depth to the text. The Bible-based meaning number of 815 reveals who in the world Canaan was networking with just as the context leads into Genesis chapter 6, chapter 1 through 11, what it reveals. In order to determine the meaning of a number in a Bible text, it has to remain consistent with the context and a theme that's being that's implied in the text. It's a really clear theme and has to connect with the grammar too. If not, you toss it out. So we hear in verse 10, it says this, After he begot Canaan, the networker who weaves intricate things together, the frail weakness, sickness of mortal men, lived 815 years and had offspring. Well, folks, the meaning of 815 actually spells out and reveals what in the world Canaan was networking with. And the meaning of the number 815 is this. It means a wall of lies will burst from rain, wind, and hail, brought on by a revelation of a word that's held tight to one's heart. This definition matches the context that chapter 5 flows into, into chapter 6 of Genesis, about the flood that came during Noah's day in a very, very unique way. When you do biblical numbers and study them, they will actually line up with the text, the entire context, and also context of an entire chapters. That's why that's how you know you're on the right track when that happens. And this is this is a phenomenal study. Maybe someday I might even try to teach this to you, but I'm hesitant because people go number happy and they get stupid with it. That's the only reason I don't teach this stuff to people. Sorry. <laughs> Just tell it like it is. So everything has to line up and it culminates and it ends up with Noah and the flood. The root meaning of 815 is a wall of lies will birth forth from wind, hail, rain, brought by a revelation of a word that's held in one's heart. you got to understand, Noah was a preacher of righteousness, and guess what? When the word goes forth, a wall of lies come against it. Right? Just keep tracking with me. The wall of lies are birthed forth from wind, hail, and rain, and this imagery it refers to particular false gods who come across to us later as storm gods the storm god triad are the phrase wind and hail and rain refers to the storm pagan storm gods the very ones that are mentioned coming to earth in genesis chapter 6 in other words the devil and his minions will unleash a wall of lies that will burst forth from rain wind and hail that comes by their word of revelation so people hide these words in their heart to find relief from the frail weakness of mortal flesh keep tracking with me the phrase wind hail and rain refer to those pagan storm gods in fact this will tell you who canaan the networker was networking with to get something from and this is further discovered and i know the book of Enoch, the book of First Enoch is not scripture, but it gives you a little insight here. Tells you what they're networking with. First Enoch chapter 9, verses 5 and 6. And I know it's not scripture, but it adds insight into Genesis chapter 6. When the fallen watchers came to earth and corrupted humanity. So let's break down Enoch 9, 6 in parts and see what mortal man networked with. Thou seest what Azel has done. Well, folks, I'm going to stop for a second. Azel, I consider from my own research, was the devil's second in command. 
Some people think Azel is Satan. I don't have a problem with that, okay? Just my own research. But in my opinion, Azel is the second in command. Why? Like I said before in the Old God series, that he's the second in command to Satan because very few people pay attention to Simyaza or Anu, that's who I call him in the Mesopotamian pantheon, who Simyaza is, the devil is, as one that's hiding behind the curtain, nobody pays attention to and pulls all the strings of rebellion, gives the orders out. Who gave orders to Azel, his second in command, to do his will and be the fall guys, part of the oath sworn on Mount Hermon, to carry out the deed to corrupt humanity. Let's read 9.6 here of Enoch, First Enoch. Thou seest what Azel hath done, who hath taught all unrighteousness on earth, and revealed the eternal secrets which were preserved in heaven, which men were striving to learn. They taught all manner of wickedness and revealed and disclosed, and that revealing and disclosed can be translated as trafficked and traded. They traded the secret things from heaven to humanity that men strive to learn. They want to know how to cure their frail sickness, and they want to heal this thing. They want, they want to do it on their own. They want to be their own God. They want to heal themselves. And guess what they traded? Genesis chapter 6 tells you the daughters of men were traded for the secrets from heaven so people can escape the frail weakness and sickness of mortal man. That's the definition of Enosh. As Genesis 6 hints, as men of renown, the Gibor, were fashioned, interesting, interesting how the Nephilim came and how the DNA is being manipulated today through CRISPR technology and how different species are mixed together. Now there's a, a monkey that has human brain genes being put in it all kinds of stuff i mean pigs running around with human body parts i mean i'm telling you this is this seeks uh i tell you they want to trade these secrets to defeat the frail weakness of mortal flesh just think about it jesus said in the last days will be like the days of noah right folks the people wanted the secret knowledge and this is what first enoch chapter 9 verse 6 explicitly says along with all manner of unrighteousness Azel taught the secret things from heaven that are not allowed to be uttered which Paul speaks about in 2nd Corinthians chapter 12 verse 4 the ancient people wanted these secrets so now let's continue and insert the meaning of the name for this little background I'm going someplace just keep tracking with me Canaan the networker who weaves intricate networks together to attain things to escape the frail sickness and mortal man who lives until the storm gods burst upon the scene openly corrupting humanity so god sends a storm to destroy their works how you like those apples <laughs> keep following me i hope i haven't lost you but if i have i'm going to keep losing you because i'm going to keep going on and you will catch up so let's look at genesis chapter 5 verse 11 at the name and number meanings and add this to verse 10 Verse 9 says out of the New King James, And that all the days of Enosh, the frail weakness and sickness of mortal men, were 905 years, and he died. The number 905 has an unusual meaning that connects to the context of the flood as well. It's very interesting how the, all these numbers fit the context and contextual flow through chapters all the way up to chapter 11, if you want to know. And this is no accident, folks. 905 means woe to the city of blood because alien strangers rulers have come again yeah if you translate hebrew into english sometimes you have to flip the meaning around so it makes sense in your own language so 905 means because alien strange rulers have come 
Woe to the city, woe to the land of blood. Genesis chapter 5, 11 reads, And the name and number meaning means added all together means this. All the days of the Enosh, the frail weakness, sickness of mortal man, were because alien strange rulers have come. And woe to the city, the land of blood. And Enosh, the frail weakness of sickness of mortal man, died. Now let's jump into Genesis chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. I've out of the new King James. Verse 1. Now it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and the daughters were born to them, that the sons of God, the fallen watchers, saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves and all whom they chose. Verse 3, And the Lord said, My spirit will not strive for man forever, for he is indeed flesh. His days shall be one hundred and twenty years. Stop interjecting. One hundred and twenty has a Bible meaning theme number to it. It means a divine period of probation while waiting for a man of peace or harmony to appear. This can refer both to Jesus or a future Antichrist. It means a trial or probationary period of around 120 years old. Just think about that. It's interesting, isn't it? We're going to put this together. Let's hold on. It's amazing how true Bible number meanings add depth to the meaning of Bible texts. And you think some of our churches just settle for milk and they don't want steak. Let's keep looking at verses 4 and 5 of the New King James. And there were giants on the earth in those days and also afterwards. When the sons of God, those fallen watchers, came into the daughters of men and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men of old, the men of renown, the Nephilim. Now let's look at the meaning of, a, of a 905 again. Because alien strange rulers have come, woe to the land, to the city of blood. And Genesis chapter 6 verse 4 says, And there were giants in the earth in those days and afterwards, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men of old, the men of renown. So if you add the meaning of 905 out of Genesis chapter 5 verse 11, and you have the fallen watchers coming in, and doing what to the daughters of men? And they were Gibor, the men of renown. Just think about it. Here's where the Nephilim and all that came into play, right? I just want to tell you. I tell you, the Bible comes alive. It's a very powerful living book when you start adding the numbers to it. Let's get back to verse 5 of Genesis chapter 6. And you King James reads, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of men was great in the earth, and that every intent and thought of his heart was only continually evil. And the Lord saw the wickedness of man was overpowering because every intent and thought of his heart was only on evil continually. Notice the meaning of the name Enosh means the frail weakness sickness of mortal men fits with that verse. See the frail weakness in mortal man begot Canaan, those who weaves networks together to acquire and possess things. How? A word that by a revelation to hide in their heart that came from a wall of lies that brings forth the wind, the rain, the hail, and God's flood, because alien strange rulers came, and now woe to the city of blood. This is, when you add the meanings and the names together, that's what it spells out. It's very prophetic. It spells out prophecy, if you want to know the truth. Established prophecy. Okay. Genesis chapter 6, verse 6 and 8. And the Lord was sorry that he made man on earth, and so he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man who have made and created on from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds. For I am sorry that I made them. Verse 8 reads, And Noah, Noah means relief, rest, and consolation, found grace in the sight of, 
in the eyes of the Lord. The word eyes there, you know, always denotes knowledge or foreknowledge. Interesting. But Noah found relief and rest and consolation. How? By finding grace in the foreknowledge of the Lord. Just a little tidbit of information there. So let's tie all this together and close this out by looking at what chapter, uh, by looking at Luke chapter 17, verses 26 and 27. I'm going to go verse by verse here. Let's work this out. Where Jesus says, as it was in the days of Noah, meaning relief, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, drank, they were married, wives were given in marriage until that day. Noah rested, relief and consolation entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them. Let's go back to Genesis 4.26 and tie all this together. Seth, the one who fixes, sets a foundation of compensation to him, also was born Enosh, the frail weakness of sickness of mortal men. And then men begin to call upon the name of the Lord. Like it was back then, God is going to raise up those who are like Seth, seeking to fix the foundation of compensation to heal Enosh's man's frail weakness and sickness because they are empowered by God to bring people into the ark of Christ. Revival is spiritual warfare. Second Peter 2.5 says out of the New King James, And God did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, rest, and consolation, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing the flood on the world of the ungodly. Now why did God save eight people? Eight is an interesting number because it literally means new beginnings. A new entry period, a new period, a new in interesting, isn't, isn't it? During this time, people will begin to call on the character name of the Lord again. Because many will see how rotten their foundations are, how miserable they are without the Lord Jesus Christ. Then they will cry out to the Lord and they will get saved. How? By being brought low, they'll feel like there is no hope. Just as Jesus says in Luke 21 and 26, out of the New King James, Men's hearts failing them for fear and expectation of those things coming on the earth where the powers of heaven will be shaken. They will face a windless situation with the world pressing in on them, robbing, killing, and destroying and lying. The hell's demons will be let loose there. Many of you are going through the exact same pressure. You're seeing it today. And a lot of modern-day Noahs and Seths are seeking to bring people into the Ark of Christ because they understand that judgment first begins in the house of God. So the people in the church are first brought low. They will begin feeling despair. Thus, many are humbled and have their own come-to-Jesus moment and they return back to the Lord. This will happen in the world as well. So the Holy Spirit's work can be fulfilled. And what's the Holy Spirit's work? To convict the world of sin, judgment, and righteousness. And as Romans chapter 10 says in the Bible, and whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The Lord's going to be busy separating out those who come to Jesus from the others that are going to be left behind. Then the second meaning from Genesis 4.26 kicks in full gear. Another group of people that sold out to networking with things they should not, to get gifts from God while always rejecting the giver of the gifts, always seeking after newer and newer secret revelations from heaven, given by some angelic guide or something like that. Keep tracking with me because there's a popular teaching going on in the church. I, I got to warn you of this. You heard me warn you of it before. I do it again. And this is a disclaimer, you know, true angels of God can come and minister to you. They can give you a message. But if you look at the Bible, I challenge you to prove me wrong in this. 
Where in the Bible does it say such a messenger angel stayed and stayed and stayed and stayed and never left to continually give anybody some secret revelations? Folks, you don't see Mary, who got a revelation from one of the head archangels saying, now I got an angel encounter. I'm going to hold meetings and I'm, and I'm going to teach you how to have angel encounters all for $65.99. And I'll teach you how to converse and meet your own angel guide. Now, Mary did not do such a thing. Angels that are sent from God, they come, they give a message, they left, they did their task. That is a common thing, folks. I can tell you about some of the angel encounters I had. They come, they go, okay? And I can't even explain it. They, the Bible's right. Sometimes they, what you think is a, a person just may be an angel. <laughs> and after it's over, where did they go? They just disappeared. It's amazing. Well... In fact, these angels end up going back to the heavenly council to get more assignments. This is a Bible principle. It's found in the scriptures, folks. It's found in the scriptures. Daniel had an angel encounters, and they were, uh, and there Michael the archangel had to fight and help another angel bring a message to him. But notice that the angel did not hang out with Daniel for very long. He went back to heaven. God sent more angels to him, and these came and went. That is a biblical principle. That is a biblical truth. The Apostle John wrote in the book of Revelations how he stated that he stated how he started to bow down to an angel and that angel stopped him for doing that and said, don't worship me, don't serve me, don't bow to me, I'm a servant like you. Some people actually worship and serve angels. In other words, they actually go angel crazy. They go plain nuts and tell folks all manner of secret things they receive from their angel guides or their constant trips to heaven. And that they heard from their angel guide. In the last days, as it was in the days of Noah, people are going to make secret connections with fallen entities, and some not even knowing it in the church. In the New Age movement, this is an accepted practice to follow entities. Well, folks, guess what time it is. It's time for the YouTube intermission. I hate to do this to you all, but I know that you all are watching YouTube. will be feeling a little bit frustrated by this, a little bit stressed out. Maybe you'll start to panic. Maybe you feel like throwing your computer right out the window. But this is the time we sign off from YouTube viewers. But do not fret. Do not panic. Why? Because here's your chance to watch the whole show without interruption on the Daily Renegade website. Folks, I tell you, that is a great deal here. How? By joining up and becoming a member of the Daily Renegade for $10 a month or $100 a year. Just click on the link below so that you can watch the shows completely interruption-free on the Daily Renegade website, folks. I tell you, this is the way we can do it here to stop the social media from pulling the plug on us. Now, for those of you who are watching on YouTube, we are going to be signing off. However, those watching from the Daily Renegade, the show goes on. And you all, God bless. Mm -hmm.